Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. Chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4. And we're dealing with really, there's a theme there of how to stay connected. And then there's an example, there are examples of people who stay connected and people who come back and they leave and then they come back. And then there's people who they say, if you don't pray, you're going to stray. There are people that, that didn't stay connected, or at least one that we'd like to look at. There's, so there's some examples of it. But uh, the theme is, first of all, we want to look at how to stay connected. It's just one thing to say, well, the theme is to stay connected, but we'll look at that. So I saw a guy out praying today, and so I was listening to this guy pray. Have you ever listened to someone pray? And he said, Lord, I approach you in prayer today and then he said jugular brachial superior vena cava renal jugular and i said sir no vein repetitions But really what we're going to deal with and it just it works in chat in verse 2 so first one The way to stay connected to God is to pray. Even if you use vain repetitions, right? Anyway, masters, verse one. First of all, this is kind of a connection to the last chapter, but masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. So this this is a an explanation of masters and their servants and back then there were actually owners and slaves but uh, it's really we could take it in 2023 take your God to work and not only act a certain way in church but stay connected to God at work and really uh, people are looking for our testimony when it's hot and sweaty and when things are uncomfortable for us to be those people that are just a little bit different than the world And so for verses 2 to 9, we're going to look to stay connected with words. And really, words are powerful. And uh, Paul was a prayer. And we need more prayers, people who pray. And perhaps it's the highest use of the gift of speech is to pray. That can be debated, but the highest use of this of this mouth that we have that God gave us. Elijah prayed, and I believe it was about a 63-word prayer, and called fire down from heaven. So prayers don't need to be long. Peter, in Matthew chapter 14, he prayed. You know how long Peter's prayer was when he began to sink? He was walking on the water, and he began to sink, and he cried out in Matthew chapter 14, in verse 30, Lord, save me. Three words with great result. And the Lord reached out, immediately stretched forth his hand, and caught it. So it was a prayer with results. How many words? Three words. When you are in a crisis, okay, you use incredible, 
the economy of speech. Like if there's a fire, 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 there. I mean, that's all that you say, right? You don't like, Lord, thou and thee in heaven. And most, you've ever heard people pray like that? Most holy be thy name, thou, thou and all the prophets. And you're like, really? You know, but if you, and that's not wrong. But if you really need something, you cut to the chase, right? Lord, who you are asking, right? That's the first word. Save what you want the Lord to do. Me, who you want the Lord to save. And he just cut it right down. I'll even cut it down even more. When my daughter was very young, she was dehydrated and went to the hospital and they were attempting to get a vein. So they were attempting to get a vein so that they could rehydrate her. They were gonna put what's called a port in, which is something to put just fluids in there. And with little kids, when they're dehydrated, they already have small veins. So they tried, it was like, not, not a Freddy Krueger movie, I mean, but they, they tried like her arm, her head, her foot, they were jabbing her all over the place. She was screaming, I was praying. Uh, I even got kicked out because one doctor didn't want me to see him where he was nervous. And he's like, no, you have to leave father. So I wasn't a father, but you know, not like a, anyway, so I was that kind of father, but. So then this last time this lady comes and she's, you know, she starts praying. I'm like, praise God, you know? And then I didn't have any prayers left. I'd used all of my like know-how. And all I said was, I just said, Jesus. I have one word, Jesus. He already knew what I needed. I'd been praying all day. I mean, all night. I think it was at night. So, and the bad part about kids getting dehydrated when they're very young, they can just go to sleep and never wake up. So it's very serious because she had just got here. We weren't ready for her to leave yet. Okay. She just got here. And uh, I just said, Jesus. And then the lady said, it was almost a few seconds later. She said, I got it. I got it. And so they, they were able to put the port in. The best part was they never used it. They just fed her milk and then she rehydrated and she's still here, thank God. So the thing about prayer, it's not the amount of words. So to stay connected to God and say, oh preacher, I need to pray five hours a day. No, you don't. But the thing about prayer is the presence of faith. When you talk to Jesus, the presence of faith. And really, a presence of a relationship with God. So if you don't have a relationship with God, God does not have to honor your prayer. The only prayer God has to honor is a prayer of salvation. And if we have iniquity in our heart, if we regard iniquity in our heart, if we are quote-unquote believers, but we're living in sin, the Bible said that uh, if we regard iniquity in our heart, God won't hear us. So we have to have that relationship, which is through faith, and then when you do, you can ask what you will, and God will answer prayer. So verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So look at this, continue and watch in the same way. What's continue? The word means to be diligent towards. So from verse 2 to verse 6, we see in verse 2, continual prayer, continual watching, continual thanks. Verse 3, continual prayer for ministers. Verse 4, continual prayer for success of the gospel. Verse 5, continual living a Christian life in front of people. And verse 6, continual grace-filled speech. But let's break it down. So verse 2, 
Pray and be thankful. It's interesting that he said with thanks. Continual thanksgiving. Paul just throws thanksgiving in there all the time. So in a prayer life, there's two things. There's a life of prayer that's being connected to God. And then there is a prayer life. They're two different things. I mean, I, you can say, well, they're the same thing. A prayer life means that you're just praying all the time. You have a life. But a prayer life, or excuse me, a life of prayer is just a life that is infused with prayer, right? Like a Coke is infused with bubbles. It's just everywhere. A prayer life is that specific time. You know what Jesus told his disciples? He said, couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Jesus had prayer time. And we actually see how long it was. It was an hour. And I'm not saying that you have to pray an hour, but have you ever done that? Have you ever just turned stuff off and said, you know what? They used to call it the sweet hour of prayer. I mean, it was another generation. It's a preacher, but we're so busy now. I was just talking. We, are, we have more free time now than probably ever we have had in a society. If you can't pray now, I don't know what excuse that we have. And he said, well, preacher, what would I say for an hour? You know what? Honestly, a lot of that time would probably be just getting rid of distractions and getting your heart on God. It would just be three or four sentences that you really meant when your heart was fixed on God. But also, prayer is a two-way street. When you're there alone with God, God can deal with your heart. I mean, he can open up the scriptures to you. So when I pray for a time, I'm not always talking. I'm just listening sometimes. And then afterwards, you know, you might get something that'll just... And so, preacher, are you trying to get us to pray for an hour? No, but I'm saying you need to pray. You need to pray. If you pray for five minutes, praise God. But make it a time of prayer. Make it a time of prayer. And then he says, praying for us, in verse 3, with all, praying for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Interesting. He said, for us, specific. For an open door, even more specific. So if you pray a specific prayer, then you will have little trouble believing that God answered your prayer. If you pray, God bless me, how do you know if God answered that? I think you're blessed. You live in America, you're blessed. If you've eaten food today, you're blessed. But how would you know? Now, if you prayed, God bless me with the Big Mac, mm, and you get a Big Mac, then you know it's God, right? If you, if you prayed, God bless me with a Big Mac and apple pie and a large Coke with extra ice, and then you got that, then you know it's God. I remember that with Sister Rodriguez, my pastor's wife, years ago, she had been praying for some peanut butter and jelly. And uh, someone gave them some food. And uh, I think they were in the full-time ministry, and so money was tight. And... She looked through there and there was, I've never, I don't think I've ever eaten this stuff. Have you heard of Goobers? It's got like uh, jelly and peanut butter. And she began to just kind of, I don't know if she said she began to weep, but there was an excitement because she said, God even gives you peanut butter and jelly. I mean, little prayers like that. God answers specific prayers. And it's interesting because uh, the disciples, didn't they say that? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to pray. I mean, I don't want to just go to church. I want to get results. So I was going to, I was taking my daughter to school today and she was worried about some type of assessment that they have. 
some type of test. I, I don't even really understand it. It's something on the computer, what grade level you're performing at. And she was at this level, and this other girl had already finished, and she was at this level, and you know, and I said, okay. And I said, honey, or Emma, bless you. It's not what I said to my daughter, but I said, I said, honey, there's two ways of looking at things. Fear and faith. And I said, basically, you're looking at it the wrong way. And she was worried it was going to go down and her level was going to go down. And, and uh, I said, well, why don't we pray? I said, preacher, do you really think that that's going to make a difference? Yes. yes, I do. And so I said, well, do you want it to go up 10 points? I don't even know what we're talking about. And she goes, I just want it to go up. And I said, okay, let's pray. So we got out of the car. We usually walk into school and she goes, stop right here, let's pray. So we, we just prayed right there. And I said, will you receive that? And she said, yes. And so when they came home today, she goes, daddy, daddy, I'm just giving you, look, prayer works. That's why I'm giving you today. This isn't from 10 years ago. This is from today. She goes, daddy, daddy, it went up. 31, 31 points, wow. not one point, not 10 points. So preacher, it doesn't really matter. It matters that she saw that God answers prayer. And I say, you know, but I'm saying we all are facing tests in life. Tests never stop, okay? And uh, you can pray, but you can worry. That's two choices. Faith leads me to pray, and then I leave it in God's hands. God's got the answer coming, and you really have to trust that. And I've got lots of prayers up there, brethren. You know, like orders from Amazon, but I've got orders from heaven. I mean, the order is on the way. Why? I, by faith, the order is on the way. I believe it. I believe it. And Paul said that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. You know, some people say, uh, the least I can do is pray. No, no, no. The most you can do is pray. Paul, Paul said, pray for me that when I preach, God moves. God speaks to hearts. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Without what? AirPods? No. <laughs> without Christ. Without Christ. Redeeming the time. You know, it's interesting. People without God act like it. <laughs> it's true. People with God act like Him. There's a difference. And I, I, I've told my wife, that, or my wife and I kind of agree on this, but however it came about... Conduct yourself so that after a disagreement with someone, especially that is not a Christian, okay, and they're out there, okay, they're out there at the bank, they're out there at Lowe's, you're going to have disagreements, they're out there at McDonald's when you only get cold fries, okay, they're out there. And I talk about McDonald's, I don't know the last time I went to McDonald's, okay, but they have good food, but tastes good anyway. Your stomach will be in revolt about 10 minutes after you eat it, but it tastes good when you eat it. So, Conduct yourself so that after a disagreement with someone that is not a Christian, you can still invite them to church. Could that be that that's what Paul was talking about? Hey, walk in wisdom. You're going to get in disagreements. People are going to try to rip you off. I understand you're not a pushover, but use wisdom so that you're not throwing them out. They already are missing Jesus. Brethren, guess, let me tell you. If you have a million dollars, it's temporary. If you have $10 million, say, preacher, but I got a six-pack of abs. 
I've got a two liter, okay? <laughs> I saw it today. I know that you're probably all thinking that right now. Like, oh, preacher, right? But all of these things are temporary. The only thing that really matters. And you know, I might seem like, well, preacher, you really don't know. I do. But when you get older, you're going to agree more and more. You see, what Christians do is they're wise because they begin to get it before they get to, it's like, why is grandma reading the Bible all the time? She's cramming for the test, right? She's cramming for the final, right? But you know what? That's why younger Christians, they're, they're reading their Bible. They realize that this eternity stuff is real. And I need to make my, make my heart right with God. So, and if you have a million dollars, hey, praise God. Or 10 million, whatever. Million dollars isn't as much as it used to be, okay? I think the lottery is like a billion dollars. But I guaranteed won't win. I'm just going to tell you. I know, I know for a fact I won't win the lottery. You can ask me later, but you can probably guess, right? Verse 6, let your speech be always with grace. <sighs> so if, if her name's not Grace, I can't talk to her? No, that's not what it's talking about. Just talk to Grace. No, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to that you may know how you ought to answer every man. It's interesting. Verse 6, verse 5 says we're to walk the walk. Verse 6, we're not supposed to just walk the walk. We're supposed to talk the talk. Have you ever heard a harmony? You know, like people singing. They're singing the same song, but it's so beautiful because it's two voices that are working together. And they're not singing the same notes, but it's a harmony. It's like a burger and fries and, and a Coke, right? It's, they're in harmony with one another. Get them from somewhere else from McDonald's if you don't like McDonald's. But they're in harmony. Now, if you get a burger and uh, some apple cider vinegar and a slab of margarine, they're not in harmony, okay? And that's when we have a walk and a talk that's out of balance. It's like eating a burger and then taking a big sip of your apple cider vinegar and then a big bite of your margarine. You wouldn't want that, right? But when a Christian's walk and their talk is not matching up, that's what it's like for other people when we're around them. So we have to match up our speech. And the Bible says to make it seasoned with salt and seasoned with grace. Jesus is full of grace. You ever heard someone talking just for a little while? And you, you catch the pattern, it's always complaining, or it's all jaguars, or it's all politics. Our speech shouldn't just be seasoned with politics. Preacher, are you pro-Trump or pro-Biden? I am pro-America. That's why I'm pro-America. But I am above that, I'm pro-Jesus. And I want people to get Jesus from my speech. And not just Jesus, but his love. And not just to be against this group or be anti-Muslim or anti... I don't want to be that. I like what Reverend Jones said. He said, I'm not really against anything as much as I'm for God. I just want people to know I am for Jesus Christ. And let that grace of God and the forgiveness... When you have Jesus, you can forgive folks. You can be like, oh, that's okay, man. That's the grace of God that will speak to others who don't know Jesus. Not just living right but talking with grace. Give someone grace. When a cop pulls you over, what do you want? Grace, right? Can I get, a, can I get off, officer? Can I have grace? 
We'll give other people grace. They need it too. Verse 7 to 9. Connected to the brethren. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. What an indictment, right? So he's a faithful minister, he's a fellow brother, and he's a fellow servant. So three things, you could almost preach that. But in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 21, the Bible says of Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister. Someone said this, the greatest ability is dependability. You could depend on Tychicus. If you wanted the church open, it was going to be open. If you wanted something done, Tychicus would get it done. And really that should speak to us that, man, let me have a testimony as that brother, as that sister, who's going to get it done. They're faithful, dependable to the Lord. Verse 8, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. And Onesimus, a faithful, so this is another brother, a faithful and beloved brother. You know who Onesimus was? He was a runaway slave. So uh, his owner said, preacher, this is wrong. Philemon was written to a slave owner. This is a different time. This is 2,000 years ago. So if you read the book of Philemon, it was written by Paul to the owner of Onesimus. Onesimus had run away. Onesimus ran away from his owner, Philemon, got saved. And how did he get saved? He ran into a guy in Rome named Paul. And then he got saved. How was it a coincidence that Paul knew his owner? Was it a coincidence or not? So Paul sent him back to his owner and he said, don't receive him as a slave, receive him as a brother. And he said, if he's cost you anything, put that on my account, I'll take care of it. And he said, besides, you owe me. He told, he told Philemon. But I guess Philemon got his freedom because the Bible said that he was a beloved brother, he was faithful, and uh, he was working for God. So, you know, God... God is an amazing God. I don't even know how all the dynamics happen, but God can even get you freedom. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. So this is a person that was probably with Paul then in Rome. And Marcus, that's the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Sister's son to Barnabas. You knew that Barnabas and Mark were related. Touching whom he received the commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. You know, Mark's life can really speak to our heart because Mark, I don't know if you realize this, but Mark, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, Mark left the ministry. I don't know what happened. And he said, a preacher, he should have done it. But if you've never been in the ministry, you don't know the pressures of the ministry, okay? So let's be careful before we say, oh, he was this or he was that. Let me tell you. You face things when you come to church, but in the ministry, the battles are just different, okay? And Mark, he got overwhelmed for whatever reason, and I'm not justifying it, but in Acts chapter 15, Paul didn't want to take him because it said he departed from them from Pamphylia. He just left. He just went away. And, uh, but we read later in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. You know, God's a redeeming God. So if you have a time, you say, a preacher, I just messed up or I went away from God. Great. Come on back. God can make you profitable again. And that's what Mark was. And 
God used him to write one of only four gospels. So God is a redeeming God. And he makes us not just redeem, just to sit there and feel bad, but he makes us profitable. You know, that Paul said, man, he can do something for God. Amen. And Jesus, not Jesus, but this is a guy who is also called Justice, who are of the circumcision, which is, uh, means he was a Jew. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. And you know, God, if I can, let me be a blessing to someone. These people, he, they were, Paul was saying, Paul was in prison in Rome at the time of this writing, but he said, man, they were a blessing. If there was a McDonald's there, they probably bought Paul some McDonald's, okay? But God used them to be a comfort to Paul. And prison wasn't like it is today, okay? They didn't have cable TV and all these other things. It was horrid. Uh, so, Ephaphras, who is one of you from Colossia, from Colossae, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And that's one of the things that if you pray, I will guarantee you that God will begin to deal with different parts of your life in the will of God, because it says in all the will of God. And you might say, preacher, I read all my Bible, but God's like, Hey, well, what about, what about this? And, and what about this? And when God speaks to us, brother, it's just so real. I mean, it's just like, you're right, God, you know, <laughs> and but it's when you get alone with God, say, preacher, but I don't want to feel bad, but we want to be completed. And, you know, if I've been to a doctor, or I've been, they don't just just pat you on the back and say, well, you're a great guy. They're like, well, you need to fix this and you work on this and you do this. And that's stuff you didn't even know about. But you know what? You know what, God? You told me that because you care about me. And God wants it to be perfect and complete. And that's why he prayed. And brethren, a lot of times if we really pray. Uh, God will fix stuff where it won't have to get fixed by the preacher or anything else. God will work on our heart in the prayer closet. It's a wonderful place to grow in God. For I bear him record, again, his testimony, that he hath a great zeal for you and the two sister churches. This is the tri-cities. And to them that are in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. Those were cities that were near Colossae. So that's why he called them. Luke, the beloved physician, the gospel writer, and Demas. Now, here's a guy It says, greet you. Demas is mentioned, the life of Demas, he's mentioned three times in the Bible. This is one of them, okay? And he's just called Demas. We read of him in Philemon, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So Demas is kind of like elevated, man. He's a brother. He's a laborer. He's working for God. And then in Colossians, you just kind of hear Demas. You know, no good, no bad, just the name. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, you kind of the sign off for Demas hath forsaken me. Like, whoa. Well, why, preacher? Having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Maybe he got a good job or something. I don't know. Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. But Demas left God. And so preacher, why did he leave God? The Bible doesn't say. But I wonder if he got so busy in the work of the Lord, he didn't spend time with the Lord. 
You know the difference between fatigue and burnout? I get fatigued every day. And what happens? I go to bed. <laughs> when you're burned out, it's a completely different thing. Burnout is like stress, right? Like you don't want to do it anymore. It's more like an attitude. And I felt burned out. Let me tell you, I felt burned out in the work of the Lord. You know what I did? I prayed. Yeah. I got, there was a time in my life I felt bitter. And uh, I said, preacher, really? Yes. I felt like I was doing stuff and people weren't reciprocating. No one in particular, just like, woe is me. I had the pity party with the one hat and the one little party favor and one little cupcake with the one candle. It was all about me. And I realized I was getting bitter. And you know what I did? I prayed and I said, God, because I had this burden. And uh, I said, God. I'm not going to do anything for anyone else. I do it all for you. I'm not going to do it as unto others. I'll do it as unto you. Because then you don't have to have any payback from anybody, right? And the burden just went, and it just came off. And I was like, whoa! It was pretty cool, right? But God showed me that. How did it happen? Prayer. Prayer. It was a short prayer, but it was a prayer that changed my life. And that was like 10 or 15 years ago. So that was 10 minutes ago. No, I was kidding. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea. Say, what's up? And Nymphus and the church, which is in his house, a lot of churches were in houses because they weren't sanctioned by the government. You weren't allowed to have a church building. So people just had them wherever they could find, you know, in people's houses. And when this, and that's how a lot of churches start today. And when this epistle is read among you, I think Fruit Cove Baptist, we met a lady, they started at the fire station in Fruit Cove. And they would just have church. This is a huge church in Fruit Cove. But they just started in a fire station. They'd pull the trucks out and they would go in and have church in there. You know, however many years ago she was telling us about that. And then they grew and grew. And when this epistle is read among you, cause it that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you read likewise the epistle from Laodicea. He was talking about speaking it out loud, hearing the spoken word. And say to Archippus, I like this, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. He said Archippus, he was a minister. We don't know, there's nothing bad about Archippus. But he said, Archippus, finish what God started. God started something in you. And if you want to fulfill something, what you can do is to fill it full of God. If you want God to fulfill something, fill your life full of God. In prayer, in faith, in believing, in thankfulness, and in love, and in joy. The salutation, as I... I'm about to finish. By the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. So Paul, you know, and God knows, remember that other people go through battles too. Paul was in prison, but he just said, remember me. Grace be with you. Amen. The trademark of Paul, so he would dictate a lot of his letters and then he would sign his name. And uh, at the end, it would be written by someone else. But he would sign off not just with the signature, but with this phrase, something to the effect of the grace of God be with you. So if you read something from Paul, it would go right to the grace of God. And that means God's divine favor. And I, I thought, man, what is our trademark? If people have been around us, when we separate or we part, you know, what is that trademark that they know that it's us? And if we don't have one, Maybe we can think about it because you know what? We can have our own trademark that people know that we're the ones that are a certain way that's a blessing. Paul wanted people to remember the grace of God. It says, be with you.
God's favor be on your life. And you know, I believe it's God's desire to bless our lives as we stay connected to him. Let's stay connected to God. And you say, you can start to pray tonight. I mean, five minutes, five minutes. But I mean, pray, turn off your phone or get away from your phone and just like pray for five minutes and just pray for your family, pray for the preacher, pray for the service on Thursday. Things will change. Things will absolutely change and our attitude will change and other people will probably even remark, you changed, something changed. <laughs> and you're like, wow. You don't even have to tell them that you started praying. You're like, oh yeah, great. <laughs> it's like, wow, I should have started this earlier. <laughs> so anyway, God bless you is our prayer. Let's dismiss in prayer. Sister Marlena, would you dismiss us in prayer? Hey, see you Thursday.